Hey friends, this is Holly Goodman, and you're listening to Isaac's Autism Wild podcast, where we focus on topics related to raising loved ones touched by autism and its impact on relationships and family. I'll be sharing some of my personal parenting experiences, raising my son Isaac, who passed away in 2007, as well as an entirely different parenting experience as I now raise my son Caleb, who never ceases to blow my mind with his beautiful autism perspectives. So grab a drink and join me as I interview this week's group of exceptional autism parents. All right. Thanks for joining me for another podcast of Isaac's Autism in the Wild. Today, we are talking about self-care during quarantine. We are over nine months into quarantine, and we kind of have talked about this theme in some of our earlier podcasts, just in terms of how we're all coping. But I feel like nine months in, it warrants another conversation because I think it's changed. Early on, self-care for me looked different than what it looks like now during COVID because we've been doing this and for months. And so I have some guests joining me and I have a few others that might be uh, popping in throughout the podcast that we'll um, introduce as we go. I'm going to start with David because David actually is joining us and he has to skedaddle um, here after a while for a work obligation. So I want to start with David. David, what have you done? And you can even talk about what's different early on during quarantine, what you were doing for self-care and then what you're doing now. Because I think, again, I know for me, it has changed. Um, but for self-care, what is it that you're doing? Now, I have to start out by saying, David, when quarantine first started, you had yourself a little accident. And so uh, you can, everything was self-care because you were laid up. So you want to explain your accident that happened just for the sake of just giving people a background because your, yours is a little bit of an interesting story because that literally happened right when it was announced that we were going to like stay in place. Right, David? For the sake of brevity, what happened is I was attacked by a rogue boulder in Arizona, um, got carried off a mountain with a broken femur. So what I was doing for self-care. For a spectacular rescue, I have to say, because we all saw it on Facebook because uh, the first responders did actually have some footage of your rescue. And so it was spectacular. And my husband, who is a first responder, who does tech rescue stuff like that said it was it was amazing it was a nice well done david well done for being attacked by that boulder well well done by the first responders too um in that case so shout out to the first responders so what i was doing for self-care in, in the beginning was um oxy and mountain dew no um i mean <laughs> and sitting on the couch a lot and having people take care of me um but no i mean i we, we did a lot of podcasts during that time if you remember Yes, um, we had you recent. at our beck and call, so we took advantage of that all the time because we knew that you couldn't get away from us. Well, not only that, but I was, you know, I was uh, enjoying talking so much on the various combination of stuff that the wife had to send me out of the room. She's like, I am so sick of this story and hearing you talk go elsewhere. And I'm like, and I would limp off to another room and go, yeah, no problem. But honestly, I mean, self-care now, I mean, it's it's almost like the pandemic itself was almost a novelty the first time around. It's like, okay, we're doing this quarantine thing. Okay, so that means we're doing a lot of binge-watching. Like, now there's a recurrence of it, and it's like we are kind of all just so over this now. Like, okay, yeah. the pandemic was actually, you know, kind of interesting to go through the first time around for, you know, my standpoint. Now it's like, okay, gee, I, I'm so over this. And I think I told you. And then because of it, we had all these various plans and various other things canceled. And that doesn't make us unique. But then how do you keep yourself sane? And I'll say it 
we're very fortunate to be in a two-parent household. And how you keep yourself sane is that you rotate each parent. Um, I'm lucky that I get to leave the house every day for work. Now, my work um, is such that I can isolate. I can go uh, take my mobile office on the road. I can be alone with my thoughts, which isn't always the best place to be. But when I'm alone with my thoughts and I'm you know, in a space where I need others and I can reach out to others, Honestly, I mean, this is the time where you do need others. You do need to check in. You do need to um, confirm that your insanity is matching other people's insanities and you're not the only one going through it. I mean, I know that's not everybody's uh, deal to like reach out to others. Some people have a harder time with it. I don't. I, I just I do a check in with as many people as I can to get a different perspective. I mean, are you going crazy like I'm going crazy? Are people driving you crazy like they're driving me crazy? And, you know, I say all the time that this world would be awesome if it weren't for people, which includes me, by the way. Um, (laughs) But at at the same time, just being in a space where you just have to understand this isn't normal. So you shouldn't feel normal. So if you're feeling abnormal, that's actually the norm. I mean, if you're feeling normal in this environment, that's that's the person I want to question. Like, how could you possibly, you know, just... I don't know, this may be a broader discussion than just what you're asking here, but what we were just talking about earlier with with the way things are out there, and I'd like to add in my own commentary, the way the media is feeding this, you know, atmosphere, it's like, instead of picking the fight when you want to pick the fight, instead of, you know, getting to the Starbucks line at the same time as the other person and, you know, determining I got to get inch in front of you. How about letting that person go ahead of you? I just find like those little things actually do a lot for me when I don't have to win the battle, when I don't have to leer at the person at the 12 items or less line that brought 14. And do I, you know, passive aggressively give them the eye and let them know, you know, that, that I mean, giving everybody a pass, um, and that includes myself, my wife. It's hard with my kids. I try, <laughs> I have to sit there and remember like, you know, we're all experiencing a pandemic together for the first time. They can't deal. Well, of course they can't deal because I can't deal. And so constantly reinforcing with them, you know, look, we wish we had a frame of reference for you. We wish we had some sort of reference point to tell you what it's like to deal with a pandemic, but we don't know either. And so when you come to us for questions, we're going to try to give you answers, but we have very few other than where we are going to get through this together somehow in some fashion. Um, But I think, honestly, I guess if there's one thing, it's really doing my best to give other people a pass. And I don't like doing that because I want it to be other people's fault. I don't ever want it to be my fault. (laughs) But at the same time, just allowing for the chaos. And and there's a part of this, I think that I think we'll learn from, which is like, I, you you don't have to be good at or perfect at what you're doing. You, You, we can do things messy and we can still get through it, I guess is what I'm saying. Do it, do it messy and just get through it and give other people the pass to do it messy or to do it wrong. And just, that's what I got for you right now. Well, I think that that's actually a lot of, there's a lot of truth in what you're saying, because when it first happened, like what you said, the pandemic and the, you know, like quarantine at home was a novelty. And I would say the first three weeks of it was fine. And then everybody started getting bored. And it's interesting how 
Um, we're kind of right back into the, hey, this is an eminent concern. We need to really stay home. And I feel like my kids are actually more tolerant of it right now. Um, and I don't know if it's because schools organized, you know, since September, school in the spring was so unorganized. It was just willy-nilly everywhere. There was no structure, no clear expectations of what we were supposed to be doing, that they just were not grounded at all. And so it just seemed terrible. And now since September, while I don't love virtual learning, I do feel like there's a lot more structure. There's clear expectations for the kids. And so having that in place has definitely helped my mental health. And so um, self-care, I feel like this go around self-care has been a little bit more easy, has been easier for me since September than it was for me in the spring, because I just, um, there was a lot of unknowns. There was no structure. We were driving each other crazy. And now I think, I don't know if it's because we're just more of a well-oiled machine and it's kind of like, oh, here we go again. We got to kind of be more diligent about being home. Um, we really have to isolate ourselves from, you know, just risk factors that it just, you know, self-care is easier or I I, I don't know what it is, but I, I do feel like it's a little bit easier. I'm curious, Taylor is joining us. Taylor, how do you feel about self-care? We were talking about self-care. It looks a little bit different in the springtime when COVID first started. Um, and what I was doing for self-care then is different than what it looks like now. Do you feel like it's the same for you, different? Do you feel like you're just, your mindset is better right now because you're kind of used to having to do all this garbage or how is that? How is COVID and self-care um, working in your life right now? I, but I really don't know. I, I, I guess it just, everything has felt, I mean, with my, with my brain, with my own brain it kind of it just kind of feels like it's just day by day now so just kind of rinse and repeat kind of you know like I've, I'm used to it so it's definitely I'm more used to it than I was in the beginning but yeah you don't love it anymore but you're more used to the fact that this is yeah. just running normal so I just kind of figure out like with self-care for me the most thing I can do for my self-care is sleep because that's uh Usually when I uh, get stressed, I get migraines. And when I get migraines, I'm down for the day. So yeah. I just kind of go to, I usually try to just sleep as much as I can. Yeah. So, so how did, was your self-care strategies in the spring different than your self-care strategies now? Or has it stayed consistent throughout the whole? I didn't really take care of myself in the spring like I should have. I just, I just, I kind of, I, it was kind of just figuring out what worked um, and figuring out what would work until you know, things calm down, I guess. Yeah. So this go around of having to really be diligent about staying home has been easier then. Yes. Um, yeah. I think too, that I'm being a little bit more selfish now than I was in the springtime. And so, you know, with my kids, it's kind of like, uh, you know, in the springtime, I was trying to meet all of their needs because I knew it was hard for them. They're not going to school a lot of uncertainties. And now because we're more used to this and the kids know it's going to be fine, I can be a little bit more selfish in terms of like my self-care. So right now, I mean, we're an autism house, so we have to keep locks on a lot of the doors in our house just to keep our kiddos from, you know, getting where we don't want them to be. So we actually have a combination lock to our doorknob for our bedroom just to keep, you know, our kiddo with autism out of our bedroom because he gets into things and can be destructive. And it has actually been awesome because I have elected to not let the teenagers have a code, the code to my bedroom, because, you know, again, I figure they're just as 
much need to be not in my bedroom as the child with autism. But it's been kind of nice because now when I close my bedroom door, nobody's coming in and they have to knock. And actually, you know, with that whole thing, knocking, that's a novelty for um, kids just respecting your boundaries. So that has been nice. And it allows for me to like just watch TV and and, in there are shows that I want to watch, but I don't want to watch them with there's like my kids are around but I can close my bedroom door. And if somebody knocks on my door, I can pause it, answer the door versus before I was always, what happens if they just like, you know, barge in and there's something on TV that I don't, you know, like, because there's scenes that, you know, they're fleeting, but still I don't need my, you know, 11 year old daughter seeing some of those. So, so I feel like I am a little bit more selfish now in terms of just saying, Hey, I need downtime because all day long I spend my day with kids and doing man, helping them manage the virtual learning. And so I'm at their beck and call all day long. So in the evening time, I feel like it's my, you know, as a teacher, teachers get to go home and not have to interact with their students. And so, so to a certain degree, once dinner is done and all of the things that need to get done, dishes and laundry and stuff are done, then I don't feel as guilty going into my bedroom, closing the door and watching a show that I want to watch. And if they need me, they can knock on the door mm-hmm. um, because I feel like they have access to me all day long. And it's okay for me to have a break. So I don't think that's selfish. I think that's you can't take care of them if you can't take care of yourself. Well, that's just it. But I think it's interesting that it's taken nine months of, you know, a world pandemic for me to finally get to the point where I am willing to put those boundaries in place. You know what I'm saying? It's like, I didn't, I wasn't comfortable doing that before because again, they're my kids and my job is to make them feel comfortable and secure during this whole pandemic. And now it's like, yeah. You guys can have some alone time because mom needs it too. Yeah, but that's, but that, yeah, that's, but that's, remember what I'm, I heard from a good friend of mine is that you can't take care of others if you can't take care of yourself as well. Absolutely. And I'm hundred percent agree. Taylor, that's why I think a little thing, not such a little thing, but it can almost go unnoticed as sleep, as you mentioned, sleep is a huge thing and the ways that you can, I mean, I hate to say this. Um, I'm going to look around. My boss isn't here. Nobody from my company's here. <laughs> I get the girls going in the morning. I wake up early because I just do uh, get the girls going. And then before I get my workday going, I pull the car aside at this shop co parking lot here, pull the seat back and take about a half hour nap before I get my day going. And you know what, if they want to question me about that at my job, you know, these are just some of the things. So there's, I, if you're sleep deprived, that's another way in which you're not available for the rest of the family because I'm an emotional, yeah, my, my circuitry gets blown when I don't have enough sleep and I can't oh. deal. So it's, a, it's very important. Yeah, 100% with that. I actually am um, on the mindset too, like on the weekends where I used to feel like my weekends are the time I have to get everything caught up and I no longer feel that way. So like, I don't feel guilty about sleeping in on the weekend or taking a nap on a Saturday or a Sunday and just being like, Oh, I'm going to go just take a nap because I want to, because I love sleep. Sleep is like one of my favorite things. So Teresa, thank you for joining us. Uh, I'm interested to hear how your self-care looks. You know, it's been at the beginning, it was a really challenge because it was so out of the norm and I've had to create a new normal in my life. And, and, you know, I, I'm so hands-on with my grandkids and there's so much, it's, it's just chaos even for them. So I've been actually, even at work, I've had to make boundaries with people. I think it's really important for me because it was so out of the norm, everything. And I've created a new normal at home with my husband. Even I cook more. I've learned to make my own homemade 
vegetable soup. I have all these things. I'm making the stuffed bell peppers. I'm eating healthier. So is my husband. We watch movies at night. There was a time I never watched movies. I would not. Yeah, I wouldn't settle down enough to be able to do that. But I now it's like, okay, we can't go out to dinner. We're not the gyms aren't open. That was horrible for me. Horrific. So I've created my own time every day where I go walking. That whole learning how to cook, watching a movie, that's part of my new normal. That is so true. I never would sit down and watch TV or movies. People would say, oh, remember this movie? It's like, I don't even know. Because I just never watched movies and didn't watch TV series because I had too many other things I had to get done that I just Mm -hmm. didn't make the time. So that's interesting. I too have been cooking more, which is shocking because if anybody knows me, you know that Holly hates cooking, but I've been cooking more. Yeah, it's, it's a... It's really fun. I mean, I'll call my mom. Hey, mom, I want to make this or that. So my mom's all excited because being from that way older generation, that's very important to her. And so it's connected her and I more because I call her about that. What should I cook today? What should I do today? You know, as far as dinner, it's bonded my husband and I more. The whole, uh, even the Christmas holiday, I sat and I don't always do this, made cookies for the grandkids, you know, just different things that I don't normally do and creating a sense of comfort and normality. And it's okay that things are different and it's okay now that things have changed. Life's still going on. Yeah. Um, everybody's still okay. And uh, I think once it goes back to that, cause this won't be forever No. and it'll be awkward going back to all of that, eating out the hustle bustle. Um, so it hasn't been so bad for me changed with it. I've learned I have to go with the change. Work has probably been the most difficult because I'm at different places all the time. But even with that, I have to go day by day, minute by minute, and just kind of roll with things. I'm learning. I'm actually calmer than what I was probably a year ago. Less anxiety, less headaches. So you mean at via work, less stressed at work than you were a year ago? Is that what you mean? Yeah, I just because I have to roll with it because all of a sudden they might take me to a different branch or different employees or at different branches. Customers are frustrated. So I have to roll with life more. There's so much out of my control. And you always hear that, you know, you don't worry about what you can't control. Just control the things you can. And I think I'm living by that more. And we all have to. And the other good thing is people are more understanding because they're getting it because they don't have control with as many things. And it's like you hear at work, especially, oh, people are, uh, well, they have to, they have to wait in line more. They have to do certain things they're not used to and they're getting used to it. Yeah. uh, No, I definitely think that there's a lot of truth to that. We're all getting used to it. I found too, that it was really hard for me in the springtime to come up with a routine, like some structure and routine at home. But now I feel like one of the reasons why I feel like I'm doing better is because I just decided in September when, you know, the kids didn't actually go back to school in, in person, that it was all going to be, you know, my self-care was going to be, my strategy for self-care was putting together a very rigid schedule for me and the kids. And it sounds weird. And that actually, when we first started, it was exhausting because no, we, for six months, because the spring was kind of such a cluster when it came to disorganization and what the expectations were for the different schools. And then summer, there's no structure because it's summertime and we were still doing COVID and we couldn't do any of those normal things. So September was really rough coming up with that routine and forcing the kids to get back into a very strict structure and routine. But once 
it clicked. That alone, that structure and routine of, of school and how our day was going to look, once we got into that, it was much, much better. And so I realized that, you know, I was happier because we just had structure and routine, even though we weren't still can't go anywhere. I mean, like literally we're just doing online school, but I make my kids come down to my, now keep in mind, I have like one office, you know, and I have all of my kids in my office do, at different stations working on school. But there is something to be said for leaving the house, doing school for the set period of time, and then going back home because then home is someplace where truly you get to just relax and, you know, like unwind. Whereas before in the springtime, we were trying to do the virtual learning from home. And that was really, really difficult because home is just, you know, things are very relaxed. And so that for us, you know, the structure and routine of just leaving the house, coming here, doing school, and then going home has been really helpful. And, and that I think is a huge amount of what our self-care is, is just having that structure and routine and just having a different space where we do our work. Now, a couple of times the kids have done well. And so I let them earn the right to do school at home. And the interesting thing about this is they actually prefer to come down to my office. Isn't that weird? Like you would think they would be like, oh, this like they would have a taste of being able to stay home and do the virtual learning. And once they finished that day, they were like, oh, no, I just like coming down to the office better. And I think one is, is that their things are all here. But two, I think that they recognize it's just hard to be in their bedroom or sit at the dining room table and stay focused. It's just so much harder to stay focused when you're at home and there's 5,000 things that are calling you to like that are way more entertaining than doing virtual learning. So they actually now prefer just to come down here. We all just load up just like the good old days where we all loaded up in the car and I would drop everybody off at school and then I would pick them all up. So it's that, you know, it's almost kind of like the good old days where, you know, we all come down here, everybody logs into their like station, puts their headphones on, we get our day done and, you know, we leave and head home at three o'clock. But um, that has actually been a lot of the self-care which is ironic because it's there's nothing about structural routine and just having the routine of school that seems like it's self-care, but it is for us anyway. I would agree with that too, Holly, just even with myself, with Bob and I, that structure, that discipline is so important in, in what you do. Otherwise, you're just out there floating around. You don't know what you're doing and it's chaos. Yeah. Um, and your whole mindset goes to a place that's you feel you haven't gotten anything done. It's unstructured. You get frustrated. So, yeah. Well, and David, you as your workspace, when you're not on the road and meeting your clients, you actually go to work and your workspace is actually your car. Right. And so like you probably can relate to me, too. It's like I have the girls working remotely right now for the next two weeks. And I tried it. I, I had every intention on Friday. I packed up my stuff. I took stuff home so that I could work from home. And I was still back down here yesterday unpacking all my stuff because I was like, this is never going to work because I just can't focus. And the kids just running around and, and doing their things, it's really hard for me to focus. So here I brought everything back down to the office and I'm, I'm down back at the office just getting my stuff done. But David... I see you doing the exact same thing. It's just that your um, office space isn't, you know, down on Third Avenue like I am. Yours is your your car. 
Mine is the Maverick Convenience Store on the south here, uh, Hill at Forty Fourth and uh, Regal here. Yeah, so I mean, th- here's the thing: I have the benefit of doing this, and that gives me the respite of um, the involuntary homeschool teaching that my wife has to engage in. So, uh, I guess the flip side of that is when I get home, I make sure that she gets to lay down at least for an hour and just kind of decompress and go away while I take over which you know isn't nearly as much as what she's doing in that regard but i i do have the benefit of being able to do that as teresa said um you know we've invested in some at home exercise equipment too just you got to do something to keep the gears going and to kind of eliminate the stress has that helped for- having like your at home like exercise equipment has that helped yeah, yeah. Because I mean, if it's there, I'm gonna do it. I'm I'm kind of a creature of habit, and so yeah. I mean, it just just to slow the mind down. I don't care about what my physique looks like, or who who cares how I appear to the world at my age and my station of life. But it just you know it slows my mind down, and it allows me to deal in just a, l- a little bit more effective fashion than I would. You know, uh, Meg for her part. Um, there had been times in the evening where she may have a cocktail. I noticed there's been times in the evening where she's had two cocktails, which is, um, you know, the residual of um, being an involuntary homeschool teacher. And, you know, good for her if that's the what she needs to cope right now to get through what we're all going through. But, yeah, it's it's just, again, because we have the benefit of having two parents at home being conscious and aware of what the other is going through and allowing them to kind of check out tune out, you know, and allowing for meltdowns. I mean, you know, don't sit there and say, Oh, you shouldn't feel this way about this. How should any of us feel about any of this? I mean, you know, to say that, you know, you shouldn't uh, be tormented. You shouldn't be going through this. You should uh, conduct yourself in a different way. Nah, you just got to kind of allow it and let it play out. Yeah. Unless your daughter gets too far down the road because she's determined she's going to run away. And then you do have to go gather a man. But uh, (laughs) hypothetically, I've heard that's happened to somebody. Yeah, somebody. Yeah. 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 How have you guys um, felt about the virtue? You know, because there's a lot of like social connection opportunities where people will do like cocktail hour or, you know, like uh, five o'clock cocktail hour, like via Zoom. Um, I know originally... You know, we were doing our our mom's night weekly originally when COVID first happened because we were trying to, you know, just provide outlets for, you know, parents to get on and vent and just have some downtime. But since the start of COVID in March, and now here we are in December, um, people's willingness to engage in like virtual, like like that virtual social hour, I see has dropped significantly. And I, I myself am guilty of that too, because I have found other things. Originally, I really liked it because it was like my one, you know, connection to the outside world and other parents that were as frustrated as I was and struggling. But now, even though I miss people, I miss people so much and I want to socialize. I don't necessarily want to do it via Zoom. And so where I'm quite filling my bucket now is more with, you know, other things that's not related to technology. Do you guys feel like virtual fatigue has factored into, so how much you guys are doing virtually has changed since this started to now? What about you, David? We'll start with you, David, since you might have, you're going to have to pop off here in a minute. There is a little bit of virtual fatigue, but not, I mean... I crave interaction and I crave, you know, and Meg's okay with me if 
if I need to, seeking the counsel. And sometimes the counsel is just a friend. Sometimes it's other things that I do just to stay connected with others and just to check in, make sure that I'm okay, make sure that they're okay. You know, I think I've mentioned before, I've been in recovery for 20 some odd years. It's allowed me to reconnect with some of the groups that I actually got into recovery with back in the Bay Area. And, you know, some of the benefits has come from reconnecting with people that I hadn't connected with since we've lived up here almost 16 years now. And so there's not the fatigue in that regard. There's certainly fatigue in other areas, but this one's actually been a real benefit for me. What about you, Taylor? Has your virtual fatigue set in? Yeah, I mean, I don't know if it it's virtual fatigue, but I, um, I mean, I, it would be kind of nice to do something like different since everything's has been virtual for so long. But it's just kind of, I don't know, it's just kind of a natural emotion to just, it's just part of being human. You know, you get tired of the same old thing. Sometimes you just want to change things up and mm-hmm. but sometimes you can't always control everything happening. So you just got to kind of process what you're feeling and let you let yourself feel that way. You know, it's okay to be fed up. It's okay to be tired of it. It's okay to kind of take a break from it from a while especially since, you know, and I think virtual fatigue comes from a lot of things, you know, it can come from social media and, you know, being tired of the media being mostly negative, you know, that, that, that's for me, that's virtual fatigue in itself. Yeah. Do you take part in any like, um, virtual, virtual, like social groups or just, um, uh, Skylar has virtual girl scouts, which can be kind (laughs) of interesting. Oh, fun. Oh. Um, yeah, it's interesting and sometimes overwhelming. Um, but one of my friends kind of helps me with that because she knows that because I, I have a phone. I don't really have. Well, actually, I just got a tablet, but that's besides the point. But I, we were doing it with my phone. So it's kind of it was kind of hard to do the activities while having one of us hold it. And it was overwhelming Skylar. So I'd have to leave early. Mm-hmm. But, you know, one of my friends has kind of helped me we have help and we're still able to do that, but it's definitely exhausting. You know, it's different than doing it in person for sure. Yeah. What about you, Teresa? Has your, has virtual fatigue set in for you where you're disengaging some of those activities you might have originally been participating in in the spring? Actually, there's more going on, especially with, with the bank, lots of virtual meetings, I, it's actually, I'm finding out they're probably going to use it more. I think we're going to have to get used to this. It might be the new way of the world. Um, it has helped me with my time management and just juggling things. I can be on a meeting. Oh, shoot. In my car. Boom. Pop on. There it is. So it has been really helpful in one sense. The neat thing, I don't have virtual fatigue. My little granddaughter, who's three years old, she's missing her play dates and that type of thing. Well, she sat and had virtual breakfast with one of her little cousins yesterday and had a ball. She had her little deal sitting there. The girls ate together. They talked. She sat uh, it was really enjoyable, but I guess it's just how I use it. It's mo- mainly for work and for things yeah. like this. So it hasn't been, I'm not, I don't have any virtual fatigue. What I like to do is I like to be with people like going on walks, going, that's my big thing. It's I'm very, very active person. So you can't really do things virtual when you're as active as I am. So mostly I'm doing things by myself, which I don't mind that either as, outgoing as people think I am. I really enjoy my quiet downtime. So I like to just disconnect, shut everything off at some point 
and just be by myself. So, well, and that's a really good point that you mentioned too. Um, David, you mentioned that you got, you know, some home workout equipment. Um, Teresa, you've been doing walks. I've been doing the same thing. I have been walking even every Friday with a friend of mine, and it doesn't matter how pretty the weather is we still go and walk for an hour and we are extremely safe because she's very concerned about COVID and exposure. So we wear a mask the whole time. We walk like, you know, more like eight feet apart, but we do it even when it's pouring rain, even when it's snowing, um, even when it's like, you know, 10 degrees out, we still bundle up and we still go walking. And in fact, actually this Friday, because it's Christmas day is the only time we've missed. And it's really it's, I, I even find, even when the weather's cruddy, I, you would think I would wake up and be like, oh, I don't want to do this. But yet I find that despite the weather and knowing it's going to be slippery out there, I bundle up, put the appropriate shoes on my feet and I still go. Whereas before COVID, I would have just been like, oh, nope, not today. The weather's not like primo. It's not like, you know, optimum conditions and I would have canceled, but now uh, I just don't do it. Yeah. Um, it's it's physically healthy, mentally healthy. In fact, this is funny. So I, during this, I thought, well, these guys might be able to see me. I was going to go out and walk, but I didn't want you to hear me huffing and puffing while we were doing this. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just itching to get out today because I have the day off today. So Well, and it's beautiful. It's a beautiful day today. So I am not going to keep you guys much longer, but I actually, I, I will be, I'm going to answer my own question. I will say I have virtual fatigue. Um, I am using Zoom all day long for work meetings so that when it comes to evening times and there are some like social opportunities that are, you know, with friends or just whatever, you know, trivia, all of that. Like I'm just not I, I have now other things that I'm doing that I find to be more satisfying than actually getting on another Zoom meeting, even if they're people that I enjoy or, you know, I love playing trivia. I just am, I'm done with it. I just don't feel the need to do it. So Anna knows this. And I have mentioned to a couple other people, I have taken up crocheting, believe it or not, because like I've just been bored to tears and there is nothing. I have been watched so many different series and now I'm waiting for the next you know season to be released that I'm like, I, even with TV and stuff, I'm running out of stuff to watch, which was my some of my self-care. So I took up crocheting about a month ago and I have to be honest, Anna, uh, my assistant is actually joining me and I told her I was going to put her on the spot and make her talk so that she's not, and she's cringing just right now. But um, she knows that I have been crocheting and I've been showing her virtually holding up to the screen, some of my um, creations and come on, Anna, admit I'm, I'm getting pretty decent at some of them. You are getting really good at it. They're yeah. super cute. Yeah, I've been making these things called granny squares, partly because, you know, like I am technically a granny because my stepson from my first marriage has a, has a child now. So I do consider myself a grandma. But here's the reason why I started um, crocheting granny squares is that I need immediate gratification. And I can't, I did crochet him, Kelly and I crocheted him a blanket for his birthday, but I just don't have the patience to do something that repetitive for too long. So the granny squares, you know, they're just little squares where, you know, you put a little, like you crochet a little like animal face or a flower or whatever. And then like, you're done. And Anna asked me, what are you going to do with them? And I'm like, I have no idea. Like I have a huge stack of them now. And I guess people stitch them into pillowcases and blankets, but I just, I don't know. I feel like that would be very tedious and not that much fun. So, so that's another thing, a nerdy thing that I have. Oh, I have also 
crocheted my daughter and John hats that I do make them wear out in public just because <laughs> like I feel like that's their requirement. They have to wear their nerdy little crocheted hats that um, I made them. So I've been doing that. So one final question and then we'll wrap up. But um, Taylor, you kind of touched on it in when you were giving us, you know, your perspective on that virtual fatigue. You mentioned social media. I would say that during COVID, my tolerance for social media has really decreased. I just, uh, you're absolutely right. People, just everything in the media, even on social media, I find to be very negative. And so my tolerance level and me in like just using social media as like an outlet, like I used to call it empty box time is I just, I don't have the stomach for it anymore because it is very negative and it just sucks the joy. What joy I do have, I just feel like it just depletes it. Um, does anybody else have that feeling about social media maybe now, or is it, have you been having it for a while, but, um, and so you're not surprised or it has COVID like the pandemic impacted your tolerance for social media. We'll start with David since he's the top of my Brady Bunch screen. Sure. Full disclosure. I actually have a media background. So what I can say is please, please, please do yourself a favor and filter everything. Um, Social media is not reality. Uh, What people say about subjects about anything on social media or the mainstream media is not reality. So please don't get drawn into believing that the problem is, you know, social media gives people a platform that probably never should have had a platform uh, and otherwise wouldn't. And so well, you never hear the courage to say some of those things in. Well, face, you're face hearing. And Holly, you and I had this discussion. I was looking at something that had the multicolor puzzle pieces and I thought, oh, cool, a mask. I'm going to go check it out and see how much this mask costs. I think that'd be cool. All of a sudden there's this raging debate about this. And that it's akin to like the swastika, this this thing that has been an integral part of our lives, the fact that Morgan likes puzzles. And I'm just like, even in this community, we're looking to divide each other, even in this community, because, you know, we have to have an opinion on this, too. And we have to take people's uh, opinions and frame it in a way that like, let's let's make a negative out of this. And so. But what I had to pull back and say is like, these are the 5%. They don't represent the 95%. They're the loudest ones. They're the ones that need to be heard and they need to be reinforced here, but they don't represent the majority. So stop treating it as they are representing the majority. They don't. So when you see like, you know, constant debate and constant infighting, you know, that is not the majority. If you just sit and talk to people, most people are rational. The problem is, and I'm sorry, I'm getting on my soapbox here. It's fine. The mainstream... Yeah, the mainstream media, they are making money hand over fist on the divide. So what are they going to emphasize but the 5% instead of the 95%? And they're going to draw you in and say, look at how polarized we are. I'm not saying that it isn't out there, but when you just talk to people, when you just sit there and engage in a conversation with, you know, it never comes up as far as like, social, political, whatever. You just have a conversation. But I fall into this habit. You have this wonderful conversation with somebody who might have diametrically opposed views that you do, and yet it's a wonderful conversation. Then what's the first thing I do? I walk away and I look at this and then, oh my God, reality, the interaction or this. So I have to stop treating this as if it's reality. And I mean, if that's, especially the danger is, you know, because we have so much idle time and I fall into this too, you know, just, I mean, please do yourself a favor and ask the question now, which, you know, what is the reality? 
And the reality is most people are sane, rational, just looking to make a go of it in their lives. Also, allow yourself to be insane <laughs> on certain occasions. Allow for the fact that, you know, you're going to have insane emotions and insane thoughts and that kind of thing. And then this, that is actually perfectly normal, especially in this environment. That's very true. How about you, Taylor? How's your social media consumption? It's... I've cut, I've surprisingly cut down a lot of it, but I am still on it more than I like to be. And, and I think a part of it is, I don't know what it is with the media, but somehow I do think it's an addictive behavior for most people. You know, it's just a, it's just a habit. It's like biting your nails. You, you, it's there, it's accessible. It's, it's basically just there. So that's kind of, I think it's just so groomed into people's brains to go on it and to look. And I mean, there's good things. I'm not saying there's, it's all bad, you know, social media isn't all bad, but it's just, it's definitely been more straining, exhausting because yes, people have more time to be on it now. And, you know, and something that Dave said kind of turned the light in my head. I noticed that, you know, when people talk and like people will have different opinions and talk in person and they're much, people are much nicer when they talk in person, even if they have different opinions. But when you go on Facebook, it's so easy to be mean because you're not face to face with anyone. That's so true. Yeah. There's no consequences for bad behavior on social media. And and so again, you, I don't, I have zero problem with difference of opinions compared to mine. What I don't have tolerance is just the complete, you know, like disrespect in expressing those opinions. And that's what social media has really become just a big downer for me. What about you, Teresa? Have you noticed a change in your social media behaviors during COVID? It's um, something to do. It's uh, I think Taylor's right. It's like an addiction. It's an addictive behavior. Anytime you write something, it's kind of like email. When everyone started emailing, you don't hear the intonation of someone's voice, the context that they're saying. So things can be taken wrong. You're out there talking to people you've never met before. So you might say something that you wouldn't normally say or you say it and your thought process, they're hearing something in a different way than what you really meant it to be. So it can be, my goal is to do less of social media. It's difficult because it's been so ingrained in us here, do this, do that, get on my this and that. So it's, I would prefer to sit and talk to someone. I I prefer this. I mean, it's, um, it's nice. Yeah, no, I agree. And I I think that I'm on social media far less than I was before, because it's just it's just too draining to be on there and having it is draining. Yeah, it's just very draining, but it is addictive. It's an addictive behavior. And also, here's another interesting thing that I've done. And I do consider this self care is is that I was actually going on social media and I would um, because I follow a lot of the local news channels. And so I would see one of their posts about something and then I would click on it and I would read or watch the video clip related to that particular news topic. And what then got me sucked in was it was informative. And I feel like, you know, for the most part, it was not necessarily biased when you're reading the article. But then I was making the mistake of reading the comments. And then the comments were really creating emotion. Like I was getting, you know, like just frustrated and just like, oh my gosh, like we're just surrounded by a bunch of zealots where it's like, you know, like, 
how can you turn something that's so benign into all this other stuff? And so, do you know what I did? I'm going to tell you what I did. I subscribed to the Spokes and Review e-edition. So now what I do is every single morning, because I want to know what's going on, but I don't want the comments because that was really what's getting me fired up or making me feel depressed or getting sucked into debating stuff. So I got the e-edition. I did it through Groupon, by the way. So it was a, you know, so I locked in for a really good rate for like the year. And so every morning I get online and I read my e-edition of the Spokes and Review and there's no comments. So I read the information so I can be informed, but I'm not getting sucked into the garbage of the comments. And I'm telling you, uh, Anna will tell you, because I'm still making Anna be part of this podcast, but I'm now like forwarding them different articles or just saying, oh, I read in the Spokes Review, blah, 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 because I was fine because I still want the news. And so Anna made, I think you made a comment. It's like, oh, Holly's becoming educated and informed because she's reading the paper. But it's interesting when you can read it, right, Anna? Like when you can read some of the articles without all the garbage, it just is a totally different. News. Well, and even even just not watching it on social media, where you see an angry face yes. pop up in the middle of the screen while they're talking about something, because even just seeing that visual is going to immediately draw you like, oh, should I be angry about this? Does this yeah. make me angry? Yes. Leading you in a direction that you don't want to go down. You want to be able to unbiasedly take in the news and make your own decisions, but you're constantly being fed like, oh, someone loved that. Do I love that? Yeah. Yes. Yes. Well, I got to give my opinion because, you know, that's just not okay. And, you know, I miss, I'm from the old school, Walter Cronkite, Channel 6. She watched the news, what happened today for 30 minutes, and it was turned off. And that's that. Yeah. Yeah. This is why I miss the 90s. I know. But I'm telling you what, I just feel like my life has gotten like more enriched because I'm starting to figure out my triggers. You know what I mean? Like I'm starting to figure out, like, I want to know the news. But I recognize that when I'm doing it in that fashion, and then I get sucked into the comments, that that is actually not good for my like self care. It really is very detrimental. So I can be on social media now, but I don't look at any of the new stuff because I've read the paper, or I will just like pass through and I'll see like a headline and I'm like, oh, I'm not even going to click on it because I'll just read about it in the paper because then I don't, I cannot get sucked into the comments and people's biases and opinions and disrespect. And I just feel like that has really been a game changer for me mentally. So isn't that funny how, so now I'm making Anna be part of the podcast again, because let's talk about TikTok. Anna and Andrea and I are finding that we are spending more time on TikTok because it's just, you can train it. So it only populates things that you like. So Anna and I like, like, like warm, fuzzy, like animal videos and people's pets that are talking and saying silly stuff. And you got arrested. Um, what's that? You got arrested. Got arrested. Yeah. If anybody follows Isaac Foundation on TikTok, we did a little for our tasted gingerbread event. We had to do a drive-through pickup, but it was just, it seemed like a wasted opportunity when we have all of our first responder friends there and their vehicles that we didn't do our own Isaac Foundation rendition of Grandma Got Run Over by a Reindeer. So Anna and I had a lot of fun doing that. Andrea thought we were a little crazy when we were asking her to lay down a potentially dead but it was good time was had by all. But the cool thing, like Anna and Andrea and I have talked is that TikTok, if you're following the right stuff, because obviously it learns your patterns and what you're liking and what you're, you naturally migrate to. It's just a happier experience for me. But you also, it's not really a platform where people post a lot of comments. You're just watching people's fun videos and you can train it to populate things that you like. 
And it's just, it makes me laugh. And I like that, you know, because I want to be entertained, but I just don't, it's the commenting that really has become such a big drag that I'm avoiding. I think it's really unifying where it seems like it's all the, the happiest parts of social media, at least how I've trained my TikTok account to be. It's all the happiest parts of social media for me. And anything that doesn't make me happy, I swipe on it really quick. And then it's no longer a part of my TikTok. Where Facebook, I don't have that option. I'm constantly seeing what everybody wants me to know about them. And I think that's been the toughest part of Facebook for me. Because all of these people that I had wonderful, casual conversations with thought they were wonderful people. And then I open up my Facebook and see their manifesto of all of the things that they hate. And I'm like, oh, wow, we never discussed that in real life. So now I know that those are your feelings. And it just really changes how I felt about people and about relationships. Where TikTok is just people falling down and puppies being cute and <laughs> playing pranks oh, on your husband's. Love those. Yeah, those are good ones. Yeah. David, be careful because if I get Meg on TikTok, you never know. She could make TikTok videos where she's pranking you or you're just catching their reaction to funny things that you do. So I'm telling you, I- I was really skeptical when Andrea and Anna were kept talking about TikTok. And so then I finally, and then also my friends kept sending me TikTok videos of hysterical things that I was like, I finally broke down and I hopped on there and I love it. I do love it. Um, but again, if you can get my introvert wife on the TikTok and performing, uh, you would have performed like one of the miraculous services of your lifetime. So the funny thing about it is she would never even have to show her face if she's actually making TikTok videos of stuff she's doing to you, because that's the, that's the funny thing is it's these women that kind of are staging these practical jokes in the house and they're really just recording their husbands and their reactions to some of the stuff. It's just, I'll have to send you some examples, David. Like you would be a sensation. I really feel like she could really make you into TikTok famous. So um, anyway, well, thank you guys for joining me on this particular topic. Like I said, I feel like, you know, we're nine months into quarantine and, and this pandemic. And I feel like some things are becoming easier. And things, some things are becoming harder because, you know, the longer some of like the nonprofit industry obviously has been hurt significantly. Um, our ability to fundraise has obviously been completely wiped out with our events. And so, you know, it's interesting, the longer, in some respects, the longer this continues, my personal life has gotten easier because I'm more figuring out ways that I can protect myself and create self-care opportunities. Professionally, though, it gets more of a nail biter for me each month that ticks by. So I guess my next focus will have to be like surviving quarantine professionally. That's like a whole, whole totally different topic because some industries have been hit harder than others. And definitely the nonprofit sector is one of those. Um, it's not operating as usual. And so we're always every day, we have to get more and more creative. So any more final thoughts before we wrap up this episode? No, nobody has anything. All right. Well, thank you guys for joining me for another episode of Isaac's Autism in the Wild. We will catch you next time. And that's it for now. If you want to be notified of our next podcast release, be sure to hit subscribe. And just remember, we're all in this together. So find your tribe and hold them tight.